An old hand at the inner workings of government is about to apply his experience to one of the most fraught processes, presidential transition. Dan Blair is former deputy director of the Office of Personnel Management, among other federal jobs. He's former president of the National Academy of Public Administration and senior counselor at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Well, now he has joined the Center for Presidential Transition at the Partnership for Public Service. Mr. Blair joins me now. Dan, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. How are you? All right. So let's talk about the Center for Presidential Transition. You are coming before a major presidential election. I guess my first question is, if a particular president is reelected, does that change in administrations or change in terms also rank as a transition? You will see a transition in the second term of a presidency if the incumbent is reelected. You'll see substantial turnover in the senior positions, and particularly in the ones requiring Senate approval. All right. So now that you are there, what are you going to do there? Well, we're going to look at the appointments process and determine ways to make it less onerous and less burdensome for the nominee. Right now, the nominees face a high hurdle when it comes to Senate confirmation. President Trump has seen the slowest confirmations, I think, of any president in recent history. And so we want to look at this and say, how can we make it less burdensome, less costly, less time delays for the nominee while giving the Senate the appropriate time and the appropriate opportunity to act on its advice and consent authority that the Constitution grants it? What are the biggest impediments to fast confirmations? I mean, sometimes it's months and months before people even get to a hearing. It is months and months. A number of times it can be the uh, filing the financial disclosure forms. Many uh, nominees may not be aware of the intricacies of filing these forms in which OGE looks for conflicts of interest. Oftentimes, the forms that they've filled out in the White House are very different from the forms that the Senate requires. So we want to look at seeing if there's a way of streamlining that process as well. In addition, there are so many Senate-confirmed positions. We want to look at whether or not all those positions require presidential appointment and Senate confirmation or whether those, or whether some can just become presidential appointments. Remember, a number of these are part-time boards and commissions as well. The Senate acted with S. Res. 116 in naming a number of these positions uh, as privileged and could go to the executive calendar if there were no objections. And maybe there may be some more of these positions that could be added to that list. So there are a whole host of potential reforms out there. We also want to talk to other nominees to see what their experience have been and what they think could be improvements to the process, as well as to key Senate staff looking at this and saying, how can we make the jobs of our senators easier by looking at advice and consent, at the same time helping the nominees get through? We don't want to see these key positions go vacant for long periods of time. It's not good for our government. It's not good for the country. In other words, in part, you're going to look at the differences between, say, being nominated for administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, which can be a very highly politicized process, versus simply being nominated for an advisory board on this, that, or the other. Well, for the Harry Truman Scholarship Fund, for example, exactly. Are there, should they go through the same process, or can one be expedited? And if one is expedited, maybe that allows more time or more staff resources to look at the more important ones, not necessarily meaning delay at all, but meaning that they can focus their attention on the real work rather than having to have it spread among a whole host of different positions that are not equal in weight. 
We're speaking with Dan Blair. He's senior counselor as of about a week ago at the Center for Presidential Transition, part of the Partnership for Public Service. And you're going to go about this study basically by talking to the parties involved, sounds like. Well, we're going to be talking to past staff with presidential appointments. We're going to be talking with Hill staff. We're going to be talking with past nominees. We're going to be doing a 360-degree interview process of all potential stakeholders to see where we can identify. We know where the problems are. We need to identify more solutions. And it sounds like some of the solutions might be able to be executed by maybe regulation, but some would require legislation. Some may require legislation. And we want to build a bipartisan coalition among senators, among members of Congress, in order to see that we can get these positions filled more quickly and at the same time allow a a true vetting process to honor the advice and consent requirements of the Constitution. Are you aware at this point of any senators that have expressed a need for this or have expressed the, the sense that, yeah, it's time to reform this thing after all these years? Well, Senator Coons has been a strong ally of this in the past. Uh, we're we'll be talking with uh, senators on the authorizing committee. We think that there may be, I think privately, I think a number of senators will express a dissatisfaction with the current process. And so we hope to be able to find that intersection of where they can reach agreement. And we move forward on some legislative reforms. We're very, very early in this process, however, and we want to start talking and learning more from those who are involved. And do you have a timeline of completing the study before this election or before this next transition? Well, whether it's, it's going a... to be more than a study. It'll be a series of seminars. It'll be a series of podcasts. There'll be a whole host of different media outlets and formats in which we highlight these problems and offer up the solutions. The initial stages and the major bulk of this work should be completed in time for the next inauguration. Regardless, then there's a, as you said, there's a transition, even if they're, Mr. Trump is reelected or someone else is elected in exactly, his place. Exactly, because our data shows that there is a substantial amount of turnover in the first six months of a new administration. So you're going to have vacancies. You have folks who have served the first four years or first three, you know, or three years, and those folks will want to move on to different positions. The president would want to bring in some new people in order to uh, carry out his second-term administration, should he have one. And so that's where you see a transition in the second term. It's not unique to President Trump. President Obama went through the same thing, and President Bush as well. Having watched all of this for so many years and from the perches that you've had, Do you sense that it's getting worse, that the process is getting more convoluted and taking longer and longer as it ratchets through history? Our data shows that President Trump's nominees really have encountered the longest delays of any administration that we've looked at in the last probably last four or five administrations. And so it's getting much more onerous. It's much more adversarial. And if we can ratchet it down a notch or two, it would be good for the American people. Irregardless of the administration, there are key positions to fill. And if you can't fill those positions because you've thrown too many hurdles at potential nominees, if it's onerous ethics requirements, if it's an onerous confirmation process, if it's delays, if it's costly to the uh, potential nominee, good people are not going to be encouraged to serve. And we want to get the best people, regardless of the administration, who want to serve the country. And so making this process fairer while still giving the Senate the opportunity to act on its advice and consent, it can strike the correct balance and we can get these positions filled faster and with better people. Dan Blair is senior counselor at the Center for Presidential Transition at the Partnership for Public Service. 
thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, and it's great to talk to you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Still to come on Federal News Network. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.